Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. In 1935, a little-known Soviet physicist named Matvey Bronstein made the first detailed attempt to reconcile Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity with quantum mechanics. Bronstein called it the possible theory of the world as a whole, It would supplant Einstein's description of gravity as curves in the space-time continuum and rewrite it in the same quantum language as the rest of physics. Bronstein figured out how to describe gravity in terms of quantized particles, now called gravitons, but only when the force of gravity is weak. That is, when the space-time fabric is so weakly curved, it's pretty much flat. When gravity is strong, Bronstein said the situation is different. He wrote that without a deep revision of classical notions, it seems hardly possible to extend the quantum theory of gravity also to this domain. His words were prophetic. Eighty-three years later, physicists are still trying to understand how space-time curvature emerges on macroscopic scales from a more fundamental, presumably quantum, picture of gravity. This idea is arguably the deepest question in physics. Maybe, if given the chance, Bronstein might have been able to help speed things along. He was super smart. Aside from quantum gravity, Bronstein contributed to astrophysics and cosmology, semiconductor theory, and quantum electrodynamics. He also wrote several science books for children before being caught up in Stalin's Great Purge and executed in 1938 at the age of 31. The search for the full theory of quantum gravity has been stymied by the fact that gravity's quantum properties never seem to manifest in actual experience. Physicists never get to see how Einstein's description of the smooth space-time continuum goes wrong. The problem is gravity's extreme weakness. The quantized particles that convey the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces are so powerful that they tightly bind matter into atoms. They can be studied in tabletop experiments, but gravitons are individually so weak that laboratories have no hope of detecting them. To detect a graviton with high probability, a particle detector would have to be so huge and massive that it would collapse into a black hole. This weakness is why it takes an astronomical accumulation of mass to gravitationally influence other massive bodies. It's why we only see gravity on macroscopic scales. Not only that, but the universe appears to be governed by a kind of cosmic censorship, Regions of extreme gravity, where space-time curves so sharply that Einstein's equations malfunction and the true quantum nature of gravity and space-time must be revealed, always hide behind the horizons of black holes. Igor Pekovsky is a theoretical physicist formerly at Harvard. Even a few years ago, it was a generic consensus that most likely it's not even conceivably possible to measure the quantization of the gravitational field in any way. And it was clear that that's completely even beyond anything that one can even think of. Now, a pair of papers recently published in Physical Review Letters has changed the calculus. The papers contend that it's possible to access quantum gravity after all, 
while learning nothing about it. The papers out of University College London and the University of Oxford propose a technically challenging but feasible tabletop experiment that could confirm that gravity is a quantum force like all the rest without ever detecting a graviton. Miles Blenko is a quantum physicist at Dartmouth College who was not involved in the work. He says the experiment would detect a sure sign of otherwise invisible quantum gravity, like the grin of the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I say, how are you getting on? Not at all. Beg pardon? I said not at all. Who are you talking to? Oh, a uh, cat, your majesty. Cat? Where? There. Oh. oh, there he is again. I warn you, child. The proposed experiment will determine whether two objects can become quantum mechanically entangled with each other through their mutual gravitational attraction. Entanglement is a quantum phenomenon in which particles become inseparably entwined, sharing a single physical description that specifies their possible combined states. The coexistence of different possible states, called a superposition, is the hallmark of quantum systems. For example, an entangled pair of particles might exist in a superposition in which there's a 50% chance that the spin of particle A points upward and B's points downward, and a 50% chance of the reverse. There's no telling in advance which outcome you'll get when you measure the particle's spin directions, but you can be sure they'll point opposite ways. The authors of the recent papers argue that the two objects in their proposed experiment can become entangled with each other in this way only if the force that acts between them, in this case gravity, is a quantum interaction mediated by gravitons that can maintain quantum superpositions. Here's quantum physicist Miles Blanco. If one accepts these two recent papers, then if you can do the experiment and one senses that well, why can't one make the superpositions of micron-sized particles? And you know, why can't you let them interact gravitationally and screen out the other forces somehow? I mean, to me, these seems like technical challenges rather than fundamental difficulties. So if you could do the experiment and you get entanglement, then according to those papers, you have to conclude that gravity is quantized. Quantum gravity is so imperceptible that some researchers have questioned whether it even exists. The venerable mathematical physicist Freeman Dyson has argued since 2001 that the universe might sustain a kind of dualistic description. That's where the gravitational field described by Einstein's theory of general relativity might be a purely classical field without any quantum behavior. At the same time, all the matter within this smooth space-time continuum is quantized into particles that obey probabilistic rules. Dyson knows his stuff. He's a professor emeritus at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey, where he overlapped with Einstein. In the 1940s, he helped develop quantum electrodynamics, the theory of interactions between matter and light. He doesn't agree with the common argument that quantum gravity is needed to describe the interiors of black holes. And he suspects that detecting the hypothetical graviton might not be possible, even in principle. In that case, he argues, quantum gravity is metaphysical rather than physics. He's not the only skeptic. Renowned British physicist Sir Roger Penrose 
and Hungarian researcher Lajos Diossi, each on their own have hypothesized that space-time cannot maintain superpositions. They argue that its smooth, solid, fundamentally classical nature prevents it from curving in two different possible ways at once, and that its rigidity is exactly what causes superpositions of quantum systems like electrons and photons to collapse. In their view, this so-called gravitational decoherence gives rise to the single rock-solid classical reality experienced at macroscopic scales. The ability to detect the Cheshire Cat grin of quantum gravity would seem to refute Dyson's argument that quantum gravity is mere metaphysics. It would also kill the gravitational decoherence theory by showing that gravity and space-time do maintain quantum superpositions. The new experimental proposals are led by Sugato Bose of University College London and Chiara Marletto at the University of Oxford. The two proposals appeared simultaneously, mostly by chance. They come as experimental quantum physics labs around the world are putting ever-larger microscopic objects into quantum superpositions and streamlining protocols for testing whether two quantum systems are entangled. Theoretical physicist Igor Pekovsky studies how lab experiments might probe gravitational phenomena. He says the proposed experiment is extremely challenging. So I think it would maybe take years, if not decades, to do something like that. But it does seem there's no physical kind of roadblocks, which are obvious that shouldn't work eventually. So I'm actually relatively optimistic in the sense that I think it's an interesting roadmap towards the type of experiments one could do eventually. And I don't think it's too far off such that it's completely unrealistic. It's more that it requires some significant advancement in quantum optics and optomechanics technologies but that, you know, in the past decades, we've seen that there has been huge advancements that sometimes seem unforeseeable. The plan is laid out in greater detail in the paper by Bose and his co-authors, an Ocean's Eleven cast of experts for different steps of the proposal. For instance, in his lab at the University of Warwick, co-author Gavin Morley is working on step one, attempting to put a microdiamond in a quantum superposition of two locations, to do this, he'll embed a nitrogen atom in the microdiamond next to a vacancy in the diamond structure and zap it with a microwave pulse. An electron orbiting the nitrogen vacancy system both absorbs the light and doesn't. The system enters a quantum superposition of two spin directions, up and down, like a spinning top that has some chance of spinning clockwise and some chance of spinning counterclockwise. The microdiamond, laden with this superposed spin, is subjected to a magnetic field, which makes up spins move left while down spins move right. So the diamond itself splits into a superposition of two trajectories. In the full experiment, the researchers must do this to two diamonds, a blue one and a red one, say, suspended next to each other inside an ultra-cold vacuum. The trap holding them is switched off. The two microdiamonds, each in a superposition of two locations, fall vertically through the vacuum. As they fall, the diamonds feel each other's gravity. But how strong is their gravitational attraction? If gravity is a quantum interaction, then the answer is, it depends. Each component of the blue diamond superposition will experience a stronger or weaker gravitational attraction to the red diamond, 
It depends on whether the ladder is in the branch of its superposition that's closer or farther away. And the gravity felt by each component of the red diamond superposition similarly depends on where the blue diamond is. In each case, the different degrees of gravitational attraction affect the evolving components of the diamond superpositions. The two diamonds become interdependent. In the end, the spin directions of their two nitrogen vacancy systems will be correlated. After the microdiamonds have fallen side by side for about three seconds, enough time to become entangled by each other's gravity, they then pass through another magnetic field that brings the branches of each superposition back together. The last step of the experiment is an entanglement witness protocol developed by Dutch physicist Barbara Terhal and others. The blue and red diamonds enter separate devices that measure the spin directions of their nitrogen vacancy systems. The two outcomes are then compared. By running the whole experiment over and over and comparing many pairs of spin measurements, the researchers can determine whether the spins of the two quantum systems are correlated with each other more often than a known upper bound for objects that aren't quantum mechanically entangled. In that case, it would follow that gravity does entangle the diamonds and can sustain superpositions. Again, quantum physicist Miles Blenko. What's kind of beautiful about the arguments is that you don't really need to know what the quantum theory is mm -hmm. specifically, which is probably a safe way to go because we don't really have a fully successful quantum theory of gravity yet. All you need to say is that there has to be some quantum aspect to this field that mediates the force between the two particles. It's a difficult experiment to pull off. The largest object that's been put in a superposition of two locations before is an 800-atom molecule. Each microdiamond contains more than 100 billion carbon atoms, enough to muster a sufficient gravitational force. Unearthing the quantum mechanical character of gravity will require colder temperatures, a higher vacuum, and finer control than any previous entanglement experiment. Most quantum gravity researchers don't doubt that gravity is a quantum interaction capable of inducing entanglement. Certainly, gravity is in some ways different than the other forces of nature, and there's a lot to figure out about the origin of space and time. But they say quantum mechanics must be involved. Daniel Harlow is a quantum gravity researcher at MIT. It doesn't really make much sense to try to have a theory where the rest of physics is quantum mechanics and gravity is classical. If you try to do that, it breaks quantum mechanics also for the other things, too. Being quantum mechanical is like being pregnant. You can't be a little bit pregnant, right? I mean, you are, you aren't. The theoretical arguments against mixed quantum classical models are strong, though not conclusive. On the other hand, theorists have been wrong before. Harlow says if you can check, why not? Mathematical physicist Freeman Dyson isn't ready to concede that the new experiment would prove that quantum gravity exists. He says the authors of the proposed experiment think about quantum fields differently than he does. Dyson says the question he's been asking, whether a single graviton is observable, is a different question and may turn out to have a different answer. In fact, the way Bose, Marletto, and their co-authors think about quantized gravity derives from how Bronstein first conceived it in 1935. Bronstein showed that the weak gravity produced by a small mass can be approximated by Newton's law of gravity. 
that is, the force that acts between the two microdiamond superpositions. Blinko says weak quantized gravity calculations haven't been developed much, despite being arguably more physically relevant than the physics of black holes or the Big Bang. What's really needed is a microscopic weak field quantum gravity calculation of exactly this entanglement generation. And through doing that, we'll understand better how quantum gravity is needed, not the full-blown quantum gravity, which you don't know anything about, but like this weak quantum gravity. And in the process, I think we'll have a much better understanding about how we can possibly do experiments to test it. Leonard Susskind, a prominent quantum gravity and string theorist at Stanford University, sees value in carrying out the proposed experiment. He says it provides an observation of gravity in a new range of masses and distances. But he and other researchers stress that microdiamonds can't reveal anything about the full theory of quantum gravity or space-time. He and his colleagues want to understand what happens at the center of a black hole and at the moment of the Big Bang. One question is why it's so much harder to quantize gravity and the fabric of space-time than everything else. Mark Van Romsdonk is a quantum gravity theorist at the University of British Columbia. With the rest of physics other than gravity, you have this notion of locality where if you think about a region of space, then you could have fields in that region of space, and they're kind of independent, so like electric fields or magnetic fields, and then the quantum version of that would be photons. And so the physical entities in that region would just be kind of independent of the physical entities in some other region of space. In gravity, now there's a bunch of at least theoretical kind of evidence that that's not how gravity works. Van Romsdonk says in the best toy models of quantum gravity, it isn't possible to assume that the bendy space-time fabric subdivides into independent 3D pieces. Instead, modern theories suggest that the underlying fundamental constituents of space are organized more in a 2D way. The analogy that I like to give is, based on computers, if you know, you could imagine storing information in different ways. And so in a computer, sometimes we like to represent three-dimensional information, like if you're having a 3D video game or some kind of three-dimensional representation of the universe in a computer program. Even though the picture is three-dimensional, the information about that is maybe stored in some two-dimensional computer chip. In this view, the 3D world is illusory in the sense that different parts of it aren't all that independent. In the case of a video game, a few bits that are stored in a 2D chip might make the 3D sky or buildings appear in the game. The distinction matters when you try to construct a quantum theory of gravity. The usual approach to quantizing something is to identify its independent parts, particles, let's say, and then apply quantum mechanics to them. But if you don't identify the correct parts, you get the wrong equations. Directly quantizing 3D space, as Bronstein did, works to some extent for weak gravity, but the method fails when space-time is highly curved. Some experts say witnessing the Cheshire cat grin of quantum gravity would help motivate these abstract lines of reasoning about quantum gravity. When Van Romsdonk explains his research, he says he usually starts by explaining why gravity needs to be reconciled with quantum mechanics. He says that's because the classical space-time description fails inside black holes and at the time of the Big Bang. 
Van Romstonk says the description also fails in thought experiments about particles colliding at unreachably high energies. But if you could actually just do this simple experiment and get the result that kind of shows you that that gravitational field was actually in a superposition. Then, Romsdonk says, the reason the classical description falls short would be self-evident, because the experiment would suggest that gravity is quantum. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Natalie Wolchover's full article, Physicists Find a Way to See the Grin of Quantum Gravity, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Also, the MIT Press has published two quanta books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy. Order them now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. <laughs>